Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name's Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I'm going to be rebroadcasting one of the more popular episodes, plus one that I think is hugely valuable. About a year ago, back in March of 2019, I got an email, and it was from the Amazon Associates Program, and basically it was telling me that I was going through an audit. It was very scary, and I, I documented the whole thing on a blog post and then gave a lot of advice. The thing is, it's not really a big deal until you get the email and then you figure out that, oh shit, I have to pull a lot of information together quickly. And if I actually have any violations as far as the terms of service or what the Amazon Associate Program calls the operating agreement, if you have any violations, if you've made any little mistakes, or even worse, if you don't know if you have any mistakes, then you have to go through figure out if you have mistakes, and then fix them before you send over the information. So anyway, that's what this episode is. Again, it's one of those really valuable ones. I think a lot of people shrug it off. Again, you don't think about what you're going to do when you get audited until you get that email. And then you only have a very short amount of time to deal with it. So that is what this episode is. It was back from about a hundred episodes ago. So even if you heard it the first time, please listen to it again. You know, I'll ask nicely. And then I'm going to come on the other side. I'm going to pop over on the other side afterwards and uh, give a few shout outs, answer a few questions. So at least there's a little extra, a little extra value in this episode. I'll put a link in the show notes here so you could check out that blog post I was talking about. So if you didn't get enough of me talking about an audit here, you can read about it. But the point is you could actually get all the templates and stuff that I used. I put together basically um, all the materials that I sent in. So if you do go through an audit, you can sort of mimic what I have done. I bear no responsibility on whatever it is you're doing, but those are the generalized templates that I sent in, and you can use them as a starting point. That is what I would recommend. Use it as a starting point. You could figure out how to tweak it to work for your sites. Maybe you think I, I did something in a confusing way, and you can make it better if you do. You should send it to me so I can improve those templates out there. But I know for a fact from people that you've actually emailed me, they said that they used the templates and they made it through an audit and it was helpful. This episode is brought to you in part by Ezoic. Ezoic is a Google award-winning technology that everyone from niche site website owners to major brands use to grow and monetize their sites. It's an end-to-end -end platform for digital publishers that leverages the power of machine learning and artificial intelligence to scale decision-making. Basically, Ezoic allows you to implement sophisticated ad operations and monetization practices. Those words have a ton of syllables. I need to shorten those so it's easier for me to read here. But basically, you end up using AI. Again, I've emphasized this in the past. This is the good kind of artificial intelligence. It is not like uh, Skynet or anything from Terminator or anything like that. This is the kind of AI that helps you create a better user experience. So the visitors on your website are, uh, they're more likely to stay on your site for longer and more ads are shown. So I highly recommend you check out Ezoic if you're interested in sort of stacking different monetization methods. In fact, in an upcoming episode, I chat with Tyler Bishop, the CMO over at Ezoic about stacking monetization methods and some of the best practices, how you can introduce, say, display ads, for example, on your affiliate website without cannibalizing your revenue. So that's coming up pretty soon. Shout out to Ezoic. Thanks a lot. Check them out if you have not yet. Before I kick it over to, I was going to say the interview, but it's literally just me talking to myself. Before I send it over to me talking to myself, I want to make a request that you send in some voicemails. There is a phone number in the show notes. You can call up, 
leave a voicemail question. I love to get them. And it turns out uh, I, I ran out. I, I don't have any more. I've put all of them on and maybe I scared people off or something like that. But send me a uh, voicemail. I want to have uh, more of these questions to add in there. And just, I mean, it builds community. I give you a shout out. People dig it. People dig it. So please send some in. It gives me uh, plenty of show topics and things to uh, riff on. So much appreciated if you do. You can also send in a, a, uh, an email, feedback at Doug.show. That is also in the show notes. All right. I'll see you on the other side when I answer a couple questions and give people some shout outs. And I recently went through that process. In fact, I wrote a blog post about the whole ordeal, which actually turned out to be really good, I believe, based on the feedback that I have received. Um, and it's also pretty long. And I worked pretty hard on it. And I, I hope it'll be a continuously improving uh, blog post and, and document out there as a resource for people. So if you are unfamiliar with being audited by Amazon, which a lot of people are. Um, basically, it seems to be like uh, some sort of random spot check. So I'm not going to go over the whole entire, I guess, ordeal at this point, but instead just answer those really common questions. And by the way, I actually sent an email out before I wrote the blog post and just asked the audience ask you what sort of questions you have. And I got a overwhelming number of responses. <laughs> so it took me a little while to go through them. A lot of them were very common, which is good because I could then understand like, you know, what areas people are concerned about, what areas people just want to know more information versus maybe the more obscure questions that, uh, you know, sometimes are really insightful and good and they bring up some point that I didn't think of and that other people didn't think of, but it is good to see sort of, it's kind of like upvoting, right? So once I saw there were like, you know, 18, 18 questions that were all the same one, I know that's a pretty important topic to cover. So again, if you're unfamiliar with what can happen, basically Amazon has a set of rules and an operating agreement is what it's called. And I think there are probably a couple other pieces which are related. Maybe they're linked from the operating agreement for associates and you have to follow all the rules. Now it is, there's who knows how many thousands of associates out there, but there's no like automatic systematic um, check that happens. People literally go out and look at your site and review it. So you can technically write other associates are out there violating the rules, potentially, you know, one of the common ones is like listing the price in a hard-coded way, not pulled from the advertising API. So the, the point is, basically, you can see that people are violating the terms, but Amazon doesn't know automatically. There's no algorithmic way. There's no bots out there checking things or anything like that. So what happens is you receive an email with typically, this is what the subject would say. It says action required dash your amazon.com associates account. And then the first line says your associates account is at risk of closure. And I'm not going to read out the whole email here, but basically they say why, right? So they tell you this, um, it says, as a part of our ongoing monitoring of the Amazon Associates program, we, we are reviewing your account. To complete our review, we need you to provide information about how you're referring customers to the Amazon site. And then they tell you that you need to send in eight pieces of information over the next five or within the next five business days so that they can review your site and just investigate how you're referring visitors to Amazon. So again, I'm not going to go through the whole thing here. We're just going to jump sort of to the questions and um, potentially I will do um, like a longer narrative form 
of this story because I, I actually did a lot of work over those few days, the five days that I had to spare. So the number one question, the number one question, and you're probably thinking right now what it may be, you probably already know it. It is, how are you selected to be audited? And they don't tell you, all right? There's no, <laughs> there's no real information on how, like how it select how you are selected or how accounts are selected. Some people speculate. Um, maybe it's the amount of revenue. Maybe it's the amount of traffic. Maybe it's how long you've been in the program or something like that. A lot of times people feel like maybe it is around how much revenue you make. And in my opinion, it seems to be 100% random. It looks to be like just spot checks, random spot checks seems to be very few and far between as well. So I've heard of people having their accounts reviewed, but to my knowledge, uh, when I reached out to my network of like mastermind partners and just folks that I could ping on Skype and they'll get back to me in, you know, an hour or something, um, they had not been audited either. And in fact, they didn't know anyone personally that had been audited. At least they didn't mention it to me at the time. So they've been in the program for, you know, five, six, seven years or more uh, around the same time frame as me. So when you put it all together, I mean, you're looking at roughly, you know, maybe 18 to 20 years of time in the program across the people that I've, I talked to and no one had been audited or personally knew anyone who had been audited. So again, it appears to be a hundred percent random and there's no like way to figure out if you're going to get audited. So like I said, the folks that I talked to were in the program for a few years and I had been too, and we've made, you know, varying amounts of money over time. Nothing seemed to trigger it. Um, nothing unusual happened. So, the other question is about what you need to provide. So in the email, it's, it's fairly short. It's to the point. Um, there are eight main pieces of information that they ask for. And you don't really have to provide like very much of a narrative or too many details. Um, so I'll, I'll mention the eight right here, but I'm not going to go too in depth. Um, if you are interested in seeing like what I actually submitted, I generalized the templates that I use, or I, I generalized the information in the format and I turned them into templates, which you could download. So if you just go to nichesiteproject.com, one of the recent blog posts, um, if you don't see it, it's like, um, surviving an Amazon audit. You should be able to search for it and find it pretty easily. So number one, they do ask for the list of sites where you have your special links, which are affiliate links or banner ads. So, and the banner ads are like native ads that Amazon provides for you. So that's pretty straightforward. That should be the list of sites that you have in your Amazon associate account account anyway. Number two, they ask you about any advertising services that you are using. So if you're running ads like AdWords or Facebook ads or some other kind of ad, they want to know about what services you are using. Next, number three, they want links to screenshots of your site's analytics to show the traffic and its sources. So... I just took screenshots of Google Analytics and put them in a Google folder. Number four, they ask for keywords that you are using to drive referrals. So I'm assuming that they're actually asking about any ads that you may be running and what keywords you're targeting through your ads. However, I sent them a list, a, a sample, not all the keywords that I happen to be targeting, but I sent them a sample um, of several hundred keywords that I am targeting across my sites. Number five, 
They ask for plugins or browser add-ons. So I listed each one of the plugins that I use on every single site. Of course, most of them are not relevant to Amazon in any capacity or in any way. So I noted specifically, you know, hey, these are Amazon associate related plugins or um, these are not. So I, you know, there's only like one or two plugins that I use that are at all related with Amazon. So I assume that's probably the case for most people as well. Number six, they ask for live links to your site. So I just put the, you know, hyperlinked uh, URL for each one of the sites that is, that was relevant, right? So basically from number one, I just made links to those. Now, I will mention that someone commented on the blog post and said, well, I think that means all the backlinks to your site. I don't think so. Otherwise, they maybe would have phrased it differently. I don't think that Amazon cares too much about the SEO side. Um, but, you know, I don't know. They didn't really say what they were looking for. So I, I imagine a live link to a site means a link that they could click on to go look at your site. Number seven, this one is phrased um, in an unusual way, but I'll read it just verbatim. A sequence of links that allows us to duplicate the clicks the majority of your customers make to get to Amazon to the Amazon site via your special links. Special links are affiliate links. So in this case, um, I interpreted that... Um, you know, they use the word sequence, but I don't believe that sequence is really the right word selection here. If we're going to, if we're going to, if we're going to be really specific, I don't think that is really what they're asking for, but I, I basically sent them, um, links to pages where I have affiliate links for each one of my sites. And that actually includes YouTube as well. So I have, a, um, a couple of videos on YouTube with affiliate links in there and I, you know, sent links to four examples for each one of the sites that I listed um, so that they could see how a visitor to the site can click one of the links and end up on Amazon. So again, I didn't send a full list of all of my, you know, all my content, all my URLs. I just took a sample and sent, if I just had to guess, I think I probably sent either between like, 40 and, you know, 75% of the links and URLs that were available per site. So I don't think they necessarily want to have every single one. I just gave them enough to chew on so that they can get a good handle. Again, if, if I was auditing um, someone's site, which I do from time to time, I don't look at every single piece of content, right? That is like too much. You can kind of spot check and get an idea um, through spot checking whether or not someone is adhering to the rules or that sort of thing. And that, that's what they're looking for. So my assumption is, you know, they spot check the associate accounts once they are looking and auditing at some like, you know, auditing someone's site, they are probably spot checking within the site as well. And finally, number eight, any other information that would be relevant to confirm your compliance with the operating agreement. So those are the eight pieces. It's fairly straightforward. Um, it doesn't mean it's easy to put that together. So if you have, you know, if you have several sites out there, it can take you a little while to put together this information. You have to go and, and snag analytics. You have to put it together in a format that is easy for someone to consume. And imagine this, right? So you're being audited. You don't want to make any of the information that you're sending to the auditor um, confusing or hard to use in any way. So I sort of, you know, I put myself in their shoes. I wanted to give them the information that they were looking for. I didn't want to add a bunch of uh, extraneous information that they weren't asking for or more details than what they were asking for. I just wanted to make it easy for them 
to go look at my site and see compliance, right? So I, I just wanted them to see that I'm following the rules. Um, moving on, another common question is who can I ask if I have questions? So luckily the Amazon associate program has several ways to, um, for them or for you to contact them. And they actually have pretty good availability. So every single day they have, I think you can call in or send them an email. And I believe the call in number is open from 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time in the U.S. So, you know, seven days a week, you can get a hold of them for many hours of the day. I'm going to jump in and interrupt. Quick note, Amazon may or may not have changed their availability and you may not be able to call them at the time that you're listening to this. You may have to do chat support. You may have to do email. Amazon has shifted how they provide support to associates. So at the time that you're listening to this, you should just go to the Amazon associate program that you need help with, probably the U.S., and follow the prompts and, and follow however they guide you to get support. The hard part, right? The hard part is the team that is the customer service team is different than the team doing the audit. So it was a little bit difficult to get um, exact answers for certain questions. So the people were very helpful and they were super polite. But if I asked about, just for example, uh, number seven that I mentioned earlier, um, a sequence of links that allows you to duplicate the clicks um, from the customers and so on. They may not be able to tell you, depending on who you talk to, they may not be able to tell you like the exact answer that the auditors are looking for. So, I, and this is what I arrived at as I was going through this process. I realized, well, if I have these questions and I talk about this stuff all the time, I'm pretty sure um, other people have similar questions, especially if they're not in a position like me, where I hear from Amazon associates every single day, multiple times a day, um, who are just like you, uh, listen to the podcast, maybe read the blog, maybe watch YouTube videos. So I hear those sort of questions all the time. And um, yeah, so I imagine that a lot of people wouldn't know exactly what to do. So that that's kind of why I documented it. Um, I, I hope in a very thorough way. And that's why I'm doing this, um, you know, Q&A session right now. By the way, if you have questions and you, you know, didn't ask them before, or if you want clarifications or something like that, you can shoot me an email um, at, it's uh, feedback at doug.show. So feedback at Doug.show, and you could ask your question there. Um, potentially, I would do a, a podcast episode, um, but I will also probably update the blog post. All right, so moving on to more questions. How long does the audit take with Amazon? So you have five business days to submit your information. And again, it's five business days. So it doesn't include weekends and it does give you, you know, a little bit of time, but you know, five, depending on what you have to do, five days may seem like a short amount of time. So the other um, portion is once you submit it, you have, you have to wait. All right. You basically don't get any information from the auditing team during this process. So I submitted my information and they give you instructions in the initial email. I submitted my information and I didn't get a confirmation. I didn't get a notification that they were starting the audit. I literally got nothing. So I didn't get anything the next day because I I'm thorough <laughs> and, and I, in my previous job, had to do a lot of follow-up. And that means you just call up and you ask someone if they're doing their job, all right? So I called up the next day, I think within 24 hours, and I just asked to see if they received what I submitted and, you know, what the next steps were. So they said, yes, we, we got we got it. And the audit team is going to be looking at it. And in my head, I was like, all right, they have it. I bet it, I bet it, 
like gets processed pretty quick. You know, they gave me five days. I was thinking maybe they take five days. I don't know why I thought that. I don't know why they thought, why I thought they were on the same timeline as me, but they're not. And that's okay. You know, they're, they're moving at their own speed. Um, and to be fair, I sent over a lot of information. So several sites that I, you know, had to list as associate accounts and, or not associate accounts, but, um, sites within my associate account. And then I sent them, you know, probably a thousand keywords and I probably sent them a thousand URLs. I don't think they looked at every single one of them, but there's no way for me to know. I assume that they would look at every single post, every single letter. And I really like comb through everything to make sure I was adhering as best I could to the operating agreement, of course. So, after a few days, I think I waited maybe like five to seven business days. I called in uh, another time to see if I can get more information. And he, you know, the person actually put me on hold for a little while. They they checked some things or at least they left me on hold for a few minutes. I don't know what they were doing over there, but I assumed that they were checking with the audit team just to see if they saw any notes. Um, I don't think they can even see any um, information, but... Uh, you know, if they said, yeah, it looks like it's still with the audit team. I don't see any other account information, no other status updates, nothing. Um, then I asked the next obvious question, which is how long will it take? Should I expect information? Like once they finish it, am I not going to hear anything? How do I know when this ends? <laughs> so they told me that it could take seven to 14 days. And I wasn't sure if they were talking about business days or just regular days. Um, but I believe that it's seven to 14 business days. Um, I didn't get information, any, any other information until I think it was like 15 or 16 days afterwards. So it was a good like three weeks plus before I got information. When I did get the information, it was very brief. It just said, hey, Doug, you know, thanks for submitting the information promptly. We appreciate it. Um, you know, we're, we're glad to have you as an associate. That was kind of the, the bottom line. Uh, no information, no, no areas where they said, well, maybe you could do this different or anything. Literally, it was just like, two sentences, uh, no information about what they looked at or did not look at or any tweaks. Um, a lot of people do ask about that as well. Like, Hey, do they tell you if there's a violation and what you need to do to fix it? I don't know. Um, in my case, they didn't tell me anything additional and I have a hunch. I'm not sure, but I have a hunch that if you have a, a violation that, they probably just dis, like discontinue your account. I think they deactivate your account. Again, that didn't happen to me, but I know that um, if you have a violation, you can't have your account shut off. And I don't think they tell you to fix anything, right? I don't think they come back and say, well, um, you know, you need to clean off the windshield and uh, spruce it up and then we'll be good to go and, and you can go on your way. I don't think it's anything like that. I don't know why I made up that weird analogy with a car and a dirty windshield, but the point is I'm pretty sure they audit and then it's like you passed or you didn't pass. It's a pass fail situation here. Um, so that, that's all I know. Um, I didn't get much information. It could be a little bit different, I have no idea. Um, the, the other thing to pepper in, uh, this is all 100%, by the way, all my commentary. Um, I don't have any official capacity. I should have mentioned that in the beginning. I probably will go back and mention that maybe. But basically, I don't have any official relationship with Amazon, the Associates Program, or anything like that, other than just being a member, an affiliate for Amazon. That's it. So if you have any questions about this stuff, you can send them to me, but I'm just some dude off the street. Um, I encourage you to you know, seek legal counsel, go talk to a lawyer, have them read over the operating agreement if you want like 100% um, you know, clarity on the operating agreement. And I imagine that even if a lawyer went through it, there's some areas where like 
it's sort of gray. It's a gray area. It's unspecified. And in those cases, and I didn't mention it earlier, but in the cases where it's a gray area, I basically just did the most conservative thing that I could possibly do so that I am clearly within the rules, that there's no question that I am following the operating agreement. All right. Okay. Uh, Another common question is what if I have a lot of things to fix? And, you know, this answer isn't great, but just say fix it. You know, there's, there's certain areas, uh, to my point earlier, there's certain areas which aren't a hundred percent clear, but in most cases you could figure out the spirit of what the specific rule is and be very well within the lines um, so that there's no gray area anymore. You're just clearly doing the right thing. Um, so it's up to you. You know, some people are more risk tolerant. Maybe they'll roll the dice um, and see what happens. But for me, um, a lot of my livelihood is tied to Amazon and being um, a successful affiliate for Amazon. So I am happy to follow the rules. Um, some of them, some of them seem a little vague, but there's no reason that you can't be, you know, well with inside the rules. Another question, which is super common, is can I download images from Amazon and then upload them on my site? Maybe resize them, put graphics on it. Um, this question comes in many forms, but the root of it is, can I download images from Amazon and put them on my site? The answer is no. That is a hundred percent. No, you can't download images from Amazon and use them. You need to get the images, um, in two, actually I'll say three ways. Number one, you could use the Amazon site stripe. That's typically what I do. So that's number one, the site stripe. Number two, you could use the Amazon Advertising API or use a tool which utilizes the Amazon Advertising API. That is, those are tools like uh, Easy Azon, Amalinks Pro, and there's a few others out there. Um, I think there's some that merely place images and don't do anything else. So those are the two main ways. The other way... The other way is to have permission to use images from whoever owns the copyright. So in those cases, it may be like the um, the manufacturer. So you can send an email to the marketing team for the manufacturer or contact the manufacturer however you can and see if you can get permission to use their image. And you can imagine that translates to any, you know, photographer or anyone who has uh, like product images or something like that. So those are, those are the ways and, and the main thing, right? So people get uh, a little upset about image usage and they think, oh, why is Amazon creating these rules about using images? I should be able to, you know, do whatever I want with images and blah, 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 blah. But when it comes down to it, it's all about copyright and I don't know the exact um, relationship or the rules or the contracts, operating agreement, all that stuff behind uh, the images that Amazon has on its site from the manufacturers or whatever. But I suspect it's all about copyright and that is fairly clear. Um, they don't want you to, you know, create a site just to Google image searches and then start, you know, taking images from the internet that you don't have permission to use and put them on your site, right? That could be a bad thing for Amazon um, since you are affiliated with Amazon when you are reviewing products and sending people over to Amazon. I believe that is like the root of it all, not Amazon trying to be mean or anything like that. Some people seem to take it personally and I don't know why. I mean, we have some clear, we have some pretty clear rules to work with. Some of the rules aren't as clear, but you know, this stuff on images is pretty straightforward. All right. And some other questions. What are the most common violations that Amazon associates make? So this is from my own informal like observations. I don't keep notes on this. I didn't run a survey. 
I don't make it a practice to just go out and look at sites to see what they're doing wrong. That actually sounds really boring. But these are the common things that I see when someone hires me for auditing their site. So number one, topic we're just talking about, downloading images from Amazon and then uploading them to your site. Uh, number two is listing the price of products without pulling the data from the Amazon advertising API. Number three, listing the rating of a product without pulling from the API, listing the number of reviews without pulling from the API, quoting or using content from the user reviews on Amazon or from Amazon. And uh, let's see, next one is number six. Now listing an affiliate disclaimer in a clear way. So, I mean, you want to have clear language around that. You don't want to make it too wordy. I typically say something like I do on the podcast. Hey, I'm an affiliate. I get a commission if you buy through my link. Plain language, no legal, um, confusing, you know, phrasing or anything like that. Just the most straightforward way that you can say it. Number seven, having like really poor quality content um, that can actually take a few different forms. And, you know, one thing that is kind of fuzzy, and this is purely my opinion, but it's something I have observed, having like all or mostly all affiliate content, having poor grammar, spelling, very short length for content, um, reused or spun content, and generally just having like inaccurate information. And finally, this is less common, but I have seen this on certain sites where it's inaccurate or at least a misleading type of call to action, like get the best price or save a certain percentage amount or buy now, there's only two left or something like that. So that's that's sort of the, or those are the main areas where I've seen like people potentially have uh, mistakes, uh, especially, yeah, I mean, I listed them sort of in order. So um, images and prices, those are kind of areas where people have seen other sites do certain things and then they interpret that as being okay because other sites are doing it. So um, last couple questions here. Does Amazon audit all your sites or just one of them? Well, I don't know. My assumption is that they will check everything and they, they will check every URL and read every single line. I have no idea what they do, but I was operating um, in a conservative way because I really wanted to make sure that I passed. <laughs> um, next, does Amazon... Does Amazon, does Amazon let you know what they are looking for? So generally, no. They do, however, tell you the eight pieces of information, which I listed earlier, that they are looking for. But they also refer you in the original email to the operating agreement. And the operating agreement is a fairly lengthy document. It's, uh, you know, filled with legal phrasing and jargon and things that maybe aren't super straightforward. So they are looking basically for anything that violates anything in that operating agreement. So they don't tell like, they don't tell you specifically, Hey, we're looking for X, Y, and Z. Make sure you're not doing any of these things. They tell you, Hey, here's our operating agreement. You need to be following the operating agreement, which you agreed to when you signed up, by the way. So um, that's fairly straightforward. And last question here, where should the Amazon disclaimer be displayed? So to my knowledge, at the time that I'm recording this, it's not explicitly stated by Amazon where to put the disclaimer. However, um, I believe the rule is there because of FTC, I think, Federal Trade Commission guidelines for affiliation and earnings. So my advice to you is to place the disclaimer at the top of your content so that no matter what device a person is viewing, 
mobile phone, for example, or a tablet or some device we don't even know about yet. Like if someone's looking at your content that they know that there are affiliate links in there and you get a commission. So again, I advise to put it at the top. I, for years, I just put it in the footer. Um, For years before that, I just had it on a page and each page had, or in each URL on my site, had a link to the disclaimer page, which was linked in the footer. Um, Now I have a disclaimer in the footer. I also have a disclaimer sort of in the, the top of the content before any sort of review content even begins. Again, I wanted to be 100% inside the rules, like no question that there are affiliate links in there. I just wanted to make sure that there was like no confusion. Now, I know some people are probably thinking, ah, I don't know if I want to put that at the top of my content. It um, maybe will turn people off. Maybe they, they won't like my site or something. Well, that is up to you um, on where you want to put your disclaimer. In my opinion, right, the safest way for me to have handled it was to have that disclaimer in a spot where, you know, regardless of the device, a person was able to see the disclaimer and know that there are Amazon affiliate links within the content. So that that was my goal. Um, I know, again, some people have different risk tolerances. Some people have different opinions. Some people want to push the limit, you know, and see what they can do. I do not want to do that. But, you know, if you want to, that's your own opinion. I mean, that's your own um, approach. And that's fine. You know, everyone doesn't have to do it my way. Um, so those were the most common questions that I saw. I do encourage you to check out the full blog post if you want to have a look or if you want to get a hold of those templates. And that is actually located at nichesiteproject.com slash audit. And I think it's audit dash. I'm having a hard time finding this on my phone now. I knew this was going to happen. So it's nichesiteproject.com slash audit dash Amazon dash associates. But if you just head over to the blog or just, you know, search for niche site project and Amazon associate audit, you should be able to find it. It's fairly straightforward. And I do intend on updating that post. So I actually stated it within the post that I'm making some assumptions here. I think I probably have some pieces of information wrong. I think maybe I'm interpreting certain things in a different way. Maybe someone has more information. So I actually got a few emails sent in that, you know, helped me clarify certain points. Um, I had a couple plugin makers contact me to let me know about certain things that were, you know, correct or incorrect based on my interpretation of what the plugins do and that sort of thing. So again, the whole point is I want it to be like the place to go if someone is being audited, um, to have a resource to, you know, get through it. Now the big caveat, I put this, I put this in the post as well. Um, if you are audited, don't email me. I can't help you. Right. Take a look at all the information there, but the scope of what I do does not include helping someone with an Amazon audit. Um, I have extremely low interest. And frankly, there's probably a lot of liabilities associated with it. If I'm working in that capacity, sure, I can, you know, we could sign agreements and all that stuff. But generally, I don't want to get involved. Um, So my general guideline is around following uh, or being conservative when you interpret the rules and being within the rules, Um, especially during the audit, right? So you have five days before Um, You have to submit your information and they begin the audit. So within the five days, you can do a lot of work. Um, I had a a few things that I needed to tweak. Generally, they were all in the gray area zone. But again, I just wanted to be um, a very solid rule follower. can't emphasize it enough, you should 
have your sites in order, all of them, even sites that you neglect. That was the big thing that got me. I had a couple sites that um, I just kicked to the side, didn't pay attention. They weren't compliant. They were generally compliant a few years ago before Amazon was a little more strict with some of the image usage and that sort of thing. But basically, my, my main site my main sites, I guess I can say, were in good shape, but it was the ones that um, I didn't care about that could have hurt me and brought down everything. So get it in order before you have a five-day time limit. That always kicks people in the balls. Check out the blog post. You can check out the templates that I used to make it a little easier and just have things organized on an ongoing basis. Little shout out to Kyle. So Kyle says he's a fan of the show and he's, um, let's see, I don't want to read any any uh, sort of confidential information that he sent me, but he mentions that my advice on Amazon affiliate marketing has impacted how he manages his website. He also let me know, and depending on when you're listening to this, it may apply or not apply, but he lets me know that HREFs, is offering 30 days of free service to help small businesses shoulder the burden of the coronavirus. They don't uh, apparently ask any questions. He says he logged into his account and he got a notification about that if he wanted to get 30 days free. So pretty cool. And I, I guess they're just sort of extending that out there. Pretty cool. Thanks, Kyle, for letting us know. I was not aware of that. But if you have a HREF subscription, you may be able to save a bit. In fact, I was kind of sort of watching my budget. It's easy over time to have a lot of different software subscriptions or different services that are running. And I was just kind of, I mean, I know they're out there and I'm like, oh, I'll cancel it next month. And a lot of them are small. So five, 10, $15, a couple of them are in the $25 range, but it's a few hundred dollars per month that I was paying. And I, I went through... And I started to, you know, realize, hey, I'm not using that service. Why don't I trim it down? And I think I haven't canceled everything yet, but I think I'm going to be saving roughly a hundred bucks a month. Which, I mean, that's something, right? A hundred dollars a month is enough to take a little vacation or go out to eat, buy a couple nice beers every single month. I don't know what I'll be doing with that income, right? Because basically it was income that I was spending. So it was an expense. And it's not exactly what Kyle was letting us know. But I mean, during these times where you're either, you know, just starting your business, things are lean, your budget and your revenue has changed for whatever reason, definitely take a look at your expenses. Be pretty strict with yourself. If you think you're using things sometimes, if you're using services or software sometimes, but not all the time, or you're like, hey, I think I used it recently, but I'm not really sure, it may be a time to sort of trim the fat and make sure you're running a lean operation. I try and do that anyway, but I literally had um, a couple of hosting accounts out there. I had a hosting account for the podcast that my wife and I worked on like a year and a half or two years ago, must be two years ago. Good grief. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't a lot. I was paying like $12 per month and I wanted to make sure it was still available and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, at this point in time, it, it doesn't really matter. And I, I have the raw files already. So I was like, I'll just cancel it and I can republish them on this stream or elsewhere or whatever. And actually now that I'm saying it out loud, I think I was waiting to cancel that until... I had it served up on my other podcast hosting account because I switched to a different company. I digress. Okay, thanks Kyle for sending that in. I also want to give a shout out to Timeplex, Timplex, something like that. This is a podcast review over on iTunes. It's on the US side, which I think that's all I can see from here. Tim Plex says, awesome marketing podcast. One of my favorite marketing podcasts about creating niche sites. This isn't the standard marketing podcast targeted at big time marketers, but at marketers in the trenches trying to make a living. Love it. Thanks a lot for leaving that review. And typically I hop over here and read some of the reviews. I don't have a ton. I used to ask 
end of every episode, like, hey, be sure you leave a review and blah, blah, blah. But I'm not convinced it helps algorithmically or anything like that. I do like to get them. So that's, that's cool. And I could tell, you know, the, the true, true fans have left them a couple, you know, maybe my mom left one on here. Uh, you know what? My mom hasn't even left one on here. What's up with that? I need to call her and let her know. Hop on iTunes and please leave me a review. If my mom won't leave me one, I mean, who will? But I do appreciate seeing them over here. And the big thing you could do is if you could tell a friend, let them know, check out this show. It's mildly entertaining. Occasionally I learn something. I get a shout out, something like that. Whatever it takes for you to share with a friend will be great. And um, I, I don't emphasize it enough, but check out the YouTube channel as well. I do a lot of videos and tutorials. A lot of times um, there's similar content. There's similar information over there, especially like the interviews, but it's a little bit different in many cases. Plus you get to see, you know, the people behind uh, the laptop, who they are. I do live streams as well. If you want to get like some deep interaction, you can hop on the live streams. Typically I do them on Friday mornings uh, for the US here. And I may be shifting the time. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I typically try and have like Mondays and Fridays pretty free, except for, you know, these live streams. So I may shift it to a, the middle of the week and maybe a different time. I'm not sure, but I think the time that I hold them, which is 11 a.m. Mountain Time, I think 11 a.m. Mountain Time may be a poor time for uh, a lot of other people for some reason. Either that or people just don't want to watch me live, but I should try and shift the time. I used to have more people hop on when it was at a different time, different day. Anyhow, I think that's all I have for today. Look out for those upcoming episodes. Like I said, I got Tyler Bishop coming on, uh, dropping a lot of knowledge in, let's see, what else do I have coming up here? We have Ben Adler, another guy in the trenches doing Amazon affiliate uh, marketing and display ad uh, type websites as well. And I'm going to be lining up some more interviews for the summer. The time that I'm recording this, it's sort of like early springtime, but I'm going to get some pretty kick-ass interviews lined up and just working far ahead to make sure I can take a couple weeks off during my move. By the time you listen to this, I will be settled in at the new home. We'll catch you on the next episode.